I miss Seattle. I, I don't do miss. Too. I don't miss any of the gamers. No, I do too, though. I don't miss any of them. The drive home today on the four-lane freeway next to the other four-lane freeway, <laughs> going the other direction, and the nearest like anything that anything? wasn't a car or concrete was like a junkyard. Kind of miss Seattle. Yeah. Everything's too spread out. <laughs> Ass. I'm gonna rip your fucking balls and rhyme them down your goddamn throat and make you a new fucking box. Do you fucking understand me? Get the fuck off my goddamn vent, you piece of shit. I'm gonna make you a faggot when I find your goddamn ass. I'm gonna ram my fucking fist up your ass. Balls of steel. It only does it when you talk. Game? Or is it real? What's the difference? Eat shit and die. This was my first PAX, and uh, it was a good time. I would say it was a lot. A lot smaller than E3, but at the same time, you can see it's going to be E3 probably next year. Um, I witnessed a lot of something that I heard PAX was notoriously uh, known for, like, speaking specifically against, which was, I noticed a lot of press getting a lot of special treatment. And yeah. It's really interesting because prior to this, I'd, I'd heard again and again that, you know, oh, if you're press and you're going to PAX... You're pretty much SOL. You've got to wait behind people who are already waiting without press badges in line. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, several times over, we did not experience that. We experienced the exact opposite, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, in particular, when we were checking out Lost in Shadow, and the guy was talking to us as if we were, like, a couple of monkeys. And then Jeremy Parrish came over, and the PR guy sort of, I don't know, his balls dropped, and he got really, really... Oh, hey, Mr. Parrish, how you doing? Any questions I could answer about this game today? Sure. Kind of felt shitty. Um, yeah, I didn't notice that, but you told me about it after because I wasn't really paying attention. Most gamers look like walks, walking corpses. Uh, they're all terribly out of shape. Their, body is, their bodies are in serious distress. <sighs> they're not paying attention to anything besides games, and that bit is depressing. Uh, makes me seriously want to reconsider my involvement with video games as a hobby. And uh, I also, I mean, God bless gamers, they're really nice and all, but uh, I can't really take constant sarcasm. I can't if, <laughs> it's, I can't if it's funny. I mean, if it's, if it's really funny and clever then I guess I can deal with it, you know? Like a Simpsons episode, then. I, I can sure. roll with a Simpsons episode, a good Simpsons episode from, like, 1996. I could roll with for probably about 24 hours and not get sick of it. But, you know, sitting next to a bunch of gamers who think that every conversation is an opportunity for them to be sarcastic and hilarious to an audience that doesn't exist is one of the most annoying, skull-cracking things I've ever experienced in my life. But uh, back to the Expo. Itself. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree, but uh, I would say I was, I'm probably a little more conditioned to that because I've attended several Comic-Cons in my time. Sure. And it's more or less the same exact 
situation as you just just described. Those are nightmares, I, I imagine. But uh, I I would wager to say maybe exasperated a little because <sighs> comic book fans are some snarky snarky people. Well, you know, I I'm not I'm not denying that, but I can't imagine anyone snarkier than video gamers. Just from my experience, you know, like yeah. I, no, you're probably right, and it's Jesus fucking Gradius, and it's probably such that how do I want to word this? It's probably such that those two crowds are pretty much becoming one and the same with every oh, passing yeah. day. There's definitely some overlap, I guarantee it. You know. Um. What else? 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 Um. Yeah, the expo was really cool. Seattle's a beautiful place. Um. Probably the only time I'll talk about this. Uh, we had a really good time on the Talk Radar podcast and talking with those guys who were For sure. every bit as nice and funny and smart as I thought they would be. Yeah. Uh, they're my internet crush, probably. Oh, <laughs> um, well, looks like you forgot about that. Oh, I did forget about that. And I need, uh, I need more practice. Got totally. Got totally wrecked, uh, attended <laughs> one or two panels, um, lost all respect for, or lost whatever respect I had for the Giant Bomb crew and their site. Um, yeah, I don't know, played a lot of games. What, what did you think about PAX in general? Was it uh, good? Um, Bad. Yeah, overall I liked it. I had a good time. But a lot of the complaints that you've you've already registered are the same things I would complain about. Would you go um, again next year? I would go again next year only because, well... Would you go for three days? No. Most certainly not. Uh, it kind of... De- I, I, I probably will go again, and it kind of depends because... You've come out of PAX really looking at the priority that games have in your life and where they sit in terms of how much personal energy you're going to be expending on those games. Right. Much less... Um, yeah, it's become much less. Whereas mine is probably a lot more. Uh, well, at least... I don't know. I still don't even really know what I'm doing. But hopefully this time next year, I've at least had my say in a few arenas enough to grant me that supposedly coveted access to things like E3 huh. or industry-only shows. Sure. However... Seeing the things that uh, I saw at PAX and the, like the situation you've already described, and another somewhat minor incident—I don't even call it an incident. It's just a thing that happened. It didn't really affect me at all, but uh, it was indicative of what the future of that show, that trade show, is. Uh-huh. Um, and like Brett Elston on Games Radar has wisely said in their latest podcast, in five years, PAX will be ruined. Sure. And people will have to move on to a new darling uh, show to attend. Yeah. Because it's my first two, obviously. Um, And I guess what surprised me was the level of corporate... I don't want to say corporate presence, but it felt more like an industry show than the amount of money invested, I I think is a good way of putting it. Terrible. Gradius. Yeah, for sure. It seemed like there was a lot more money put in by companies there. Like, even to this point, I was sort of worried that... I was like, man, this already looks like it's getting too big for itself. Yeah. And talking to people who have attended in past years, saying, 
Oh yeah, every year it's grown noticeably. Like year it didn't even take up the entire expo hall, and before that they weren't even in one of the halls, and before that it wasn't even like three floors, and et cetera, et cetera. That kind of crazy growth just spells doom because that's the reason people don't go to Comic Con anymore. Is that show is just way too crowded, yeah. and it's way too much of a thing to say that you've been to. Whereas if you have a genuine interest and passion and appreciation for a medium, you're basically boxed out by yeah. everybody else. Quite literally, in some cases. I mean, there's games that we'll talk about that we only watched because, quite frankly, we weren't in the mood to stand in line to play Fable 3. Yeah, I mean, when my experience... it'll be out in a month and a half, and we'll just play it then. My experience with PAX was, uh, hey, there'd be a lot more lines than the E3s I've attended. Or the lines be longer. Yeah. I mean, sure, E3 has some two-hour lines to see the next big thing, but as far as games go, um, I definitely waited a lot longer per game in line in PAX. Or I didn't wait at all, like you said. Um, right, I just chose not to. Yeah. Um, also, uh, small aside, the Seattle Convention Center is like a later, late-game Doom level. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah. Honestly, I would love to see any other group of hobbyists, so any other hobby represented, yeah. uh, trying to navigate their way around all those different rooms. Yeah. And not even in the convention center, but you know, moving to the chair to next door and keeping track of everything that's going on. PAX, uh, the program is thick, but I like, I would honestly suggest it's not even thick enough. I mean, there's a lot going on at that show. It's really overwhelming. You could never hope to see it all. And I guess maybe that's some of the draw? I don't know. Not for me. It drives me nuts because I'm a completionist. Right. Once I realized it was impossible to see everything, I sort of just got a little upset and resigned for the rest of the show. Um, the other thing I will say is that uh, you saw... Well, you we both went to the Giant Bomb panel and had mixed feelings about how that went. Uh, I attended Let's a, eat food! I attended a pretty unique panel <laughs> about... Uh, people in the academic circle who basically get paid with grant money to study things about games and while some of the some of the topics they chose to study I found a bit specious or kind of like esoteric in my eyes great I like that uh, well esoteric in a way that I was sort of like your effort could have been spent on something a little more interesting than this but I guess the fact that anybody's doing it at all is something to speak for uh, I like that a lot. I like seeing educated, well-spoken, articulate people talking about games, irregardless of the actual topic that they were talking about. Uh, I don't know. That was just kind of nice, rather than just hearing people make sarcastic jokes and Chewbacca noises and smell, smelling, and eat. You know what? I will say, actually, the smell didn't seem too bad for the most part. Not like I was expecting. No, it was, Maybe a, it was, was like a visual though. smell. <laughs> <laughs> it had nothing to do with my actual... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my actual nose, it was, yeah. it was a visual smell. And for the, instance, uh, I smelt that guy who was eating Teddy Grahams out of a 20-year-old back... Reading on your nerves. Fingering through sure. that foil I could tell that those sure. Teddy Grahams were in. Also, don't sleep in SeaTac Airport. <laughs> I don't recommend it. Yeah, otherwise known as Delta City. <laughs> Definitely not a friendly the, uh, place.
Keeping in theme with the idea of the lines and everything, it actually, for the most part, worked in our favor, I think, because a lot of the games that we were really interested in had almost had little or no attention paid to them at all. Like what? Like Bongayo, for instance, was pretty easy to Bongayo get Bongayo was play dead Bongayo. empty. It was really sad that the D3 space that uh, they had at, for Bongayo at the Microsoft booth was, especially on the last day, uh, it, well, it, was, it was empty. There was no one really wanting to play Bongayo, but it was overloaded with people um, trying to win a free computer at a nearby booth. I don't even think it was that. It was like a cooling. Uh, yeah, yeah, fan. it was. Yeah, maybe it wasn't even anything as significant as a computer. But it was just sad because the D3 people were literally at one point, the last day when I went to try the game out, they were literally being pushed into the wall of their own booth yeah. and sort of just staring at each other like, oh, "What is this? Why are we here? Do we have any sort of? <laughs> is there any action we can take? Right. To uh, try and control this mob? And no, there was none. But uh, if we're gonna talk about games, let's start with Bongayo. Let's start with Bongayo. That start with was the a uh, what's that? Start with the explosion. Yeah, the um, several explosions. The <laughs> the we haven't even had a chance to talk about this because it was announced after our last recording. And just like, Bongayo. Yeah, Bongayo itself. Yeah. And then like the day or day or two after that, it was announced that it would be at PAX. So we I mean, we were just thrilled because I mean we've both espoused, I had no idea it would be at PAX. We both we both espoused. Uh, I probably meant to tell you, but it was like. In the ramp up of leaving. Yeah, you know. By the I, way, when I found out, I was I was stunned. Um, we both espoused our love for treasure games, and Ray especially has actually specifically talked about Bongayo Spirits on the DS, which is a game that he sunk a lot of time into. Um, yeah, I played the Dreamcast game for a little bit, didn't understand it. Tried to play the DS game for five minutes, didn't understand it. But I could tell it was something that, had I had the luxury of time to play it on my own, I probably would like it. And. Uh, just the aesthetic and the visual flair and everything that's going on in that game is just amazing. It's overload. Yeah, so Missile Fury is this game's um, title, and uh, it is pretty much like a mix between the DS game Spirits and the N64 slash Dreamcast one. Mm -hmm. um, what's really interesting to me is that, uh, well, it was a Japanese build. All the text was in Japanese, so I didn't really get to see any of the stage names. I just saw Which stages. I hope they don't change. Yeah, which Partially, would be great. Or have an option. Ah, I totally agree, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I don't know if this is, so So what we're talking about is an unfinished build, obviously. So I don't really know if this is going to stay this way, but it, fans of the series know that um, in all the games, well, in the, DC, in the DC one and the N64 one, there was like a really skeletal story. And by skeletal, I mean, well, I don't, it's not even skeletal. It's postmodern, abstract. It really didn't make any sense. It was literally just like one or two pieces of art with a sentence or two uh, below them, some terrible voice acting, and <laughs> uh, actually, honestly, nothing they said in the cutscenes made any real sense. It was just something that distracted you from from what you were doing for two seconds in between levels, and more often than not, when you, by the time you started the next level, you were more confused than anything, and <laughs> sort of laughing at your own confusion, which... I don't know, that, that feeling, laughing at your own confusion, is sort of something that I uh, kind of, not attribute, but associate with Bangayo. And uh, it's interesting playing this build. Uh, there were not cutscenes, but static art in between the levels right. of some sort of Professor Oak-style 
right guy who's obviously the scientist who's telling you what to do and how your ship works, but uh, couldn't not, make it out because it was Japanese. Not that this has anything relevant to say about the game itself, but I just want to say one of the. I'm only saying it's because it was such a strong immediate reaction that my brain had. Uh -huh. That guy reminded me of Captain Ishimura from Shogo. Okay. I don't know. I don't think you can, if you can even drudge that character up in your brain. No. Kudos to you, sir. No go. I but, can't. uh, yeah. For some reason, I just wanted to get that out because I was like, I have, to say, I have to say it somewhere, and I'll say it on the podcast. So the the backgrounds are the game is structured seemingly the same. Mm -hmm. um, the backgrounds are pretty abstract. They don't really make any sense. You're, you're like fighting in skyboxes. Well, you're fighting in boxes. Uh, in the middle of the upper atmosphere, Sky, space. space. It doesn't really make Just any sense. Backgrounds. There's no, th there's no visual theme to sort of link the game. It's just kind of a mishmash. At times there are wallpaper. At times there aren't. At times it's widescreen. Uh, at times it's bordered like a vertical shmup, depending on the way the level scrolls. Right. Um, it's kind of bizarre. It's, it's, it's just as disparate as you, as you know the whole series to be. So if, if you're a fan of that, you'll dig it. But the graphics themselves are really crisp, like sharp. Crisp, bloody, bloody crisp. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't really know how to explain it other than that. They're much more crisp than they look in the uh, screenshots that have been shown so far. It's like someone cranked sharpness filter on just Photoshop, and you can like, see all yeah the actual pixels that make up the models and everything. Yeah, and the gameplay is really, really smooth. And, and there's, there's the fruit, which has absolutely no relevance in the game whatsoever. But oh no, uh, yeah, that's true. I think it. I think in the original game it had some vague. I don't know, but context. I don't remember, but it's really interesting. They changed it so that. Um, Anyone who played the games, you, you have to collect the fruit to increase your meter. And uh, anyone who's played the games knows that it's kind of a hassle to go around and collect all the fruit. Because, I don't know, more often than not, the things that you're destroying to get the fruit are in kind of weird places. And it's it's more of just a, a hassle that you have to, after clearing a room, you know, sort of scrounge around the edges and in the nooks and crannies and collect all the fruit. Right. But in this game, the fruit is, like, uh, drawn to you, sucked right into you. Which is a very, very minor thing, but it really improves the game. Really improves the game. And uh, other than that, there's a dash that uh, lets you evade missiles or other shots and um, a counter that you can unleash during that dash. So there's some depth there that I quite didn't quite pick up on. I didn't really have the time to pick up on. Right. Too enamored with the visual style and total absurdity of the game to deal with anything else. I really liked it, and I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. Every time I initiated the missile counter, mm -hmm. where I guess the idea is you let it, you let bullets get as close to you as possible. Sure. And their proximity to you determines how many like missiles you will unleash. Right. At the press of that button. Uh, I I know I know for a fact there's a skill involved in that, but there was kind of a fun. There was kind of a fun factor to it that it was like almost like a slot machine pull. Yeah, no, yeah. You're like, man, how many will I get this time? Yeah. It, it like zooms in, the number's really big on the screen, and yeah. you do it once and it's 107, you're like, all right. You do it again, it's like 600, and you're like, yeah, and it looks really good, and it flowers out, and it's just... Right. No, it is a gamble. You know, that's that, that's very much what it is. That's why that's why it's so fun. That's why that mechanic is so fun, and the whole game is really structured around that mechanic because there really isn't much else to it. But with this dashing and countering, which I didn't quite understand or have time to pick up on, I'm kind of interested to see where they take that because, I don't know, it's like a, it's a little bit more depth than I ever assumed this game would get. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that I ever even thought there would be a sequel after Spirits, to tell you the truth, but...
but uh, it's like I, I expressed this to you before the podcast, saying that you know this is the first treasure game that's digital only, so I'm not going to be able to buy it. Which I'll say this again, even though you heard me say it once before. I'm not really a collector or anything, but I don't know. That's that's kind of sad. That's uh, it's some sort of bookmark in it's history. Something in the history of video every games. Every time we've I, ever I discussed know. a shmup on this podcast, well, not every time, but most of the time we've discussed at least of the cave variety of the ones we've imported. I think almost every time we've said something about how how nice it is to be able to have it physically in your hands in a case. Yeah. And like out of all the genres of games, those seem like the ones that should always have like a physical presence in the world for me at least, you know. I think a lot of people feel that way about shmup specifically. It's such a niche thing and it's like it lends more of a weight to the existence of that game when you can actually have it in your hands physically no, I can in, see some, it. in some shape, way, uh, some way, shape, or form. Um, the only so other that thing that's, cool. that's interesting about that game is that I was talking to the guy from D3 who may or may not have known a lot about the game, whatever, but he, uh, I asked him what the press thought about it, and he said they mostly liked it, except, well, I asked him what were they complaining about, if anything, and he said, about the lack of story. If anyone out there likes Bongeo, mm. you realize how stupid the press in general must be. And this is no surprise. This is this is nothing that I'm, you know, this is no news releases here. Um, but you realize how stupid the majority of the press must be to have complained about something as insignificant in a game like this as the story. It's mind-boggling. Tear-weeping. Like, very sad when I heard that. Just not sure what they expected. I don't know. Gears of War, really. Who even cares? Resonator! Honestly. Uh, Who knows anything about games but me? Nobody. <laughs> why, am, why, am, why am I even bothering anymore? <laughs> just record this podcast by myself with you and just listen to it until I die. <laughs> How much more insular do I need to get so <laughs> to remain sane? So let's let's stay in the Microsoft booth then. All right. While we talk about things, um, played Super Meat Boy for the first time. Um, a game you've been looking forward to for a while. Yeah, really interesting because uh, we played it at the actual developers booth or stand, and the controller was so shitty, the game felt terrible, and I got really upset. But at the Microsoft booth, the controller was working. It leads me to think and that so that the hardware that was at the was PC or something? Well, the hardware at the developer booth um, was either PC or... I'm just wondering where that hardware was provided. Oh. Since PAX is not like an industry show. Sure. So who is the money behind the PAX 10 right. setup? Probably just them, to be honest. Right. So I don't wonder if those were like older like used controllers or whatever. Of course, Microsoft's going to have you know nice, clean controllers with the new slim system and everything's right, going right, to be nice right. and new. So... That aside, um, uh, yeah. That aside, that game's really impressive, and it's just like N Plus. If you like N Plus or don't know what N Plus is, you should buy it. It's uh, a great game, and it's a really good platformer. And you know, there really isn't much to say about Super Meat Boy other than it's about as hard as you thought it would be. Um, it was hard, but what I what I'll say about my experience in that game because you went off to play Bongai a second or another time when I was I finally got my chance to. Oh yeah, I never got to see you play. Um. And the other thing is, really quick, as an aside, because this this has to do with the Super Meat Boy uh, kiosk. Uh, 
King Nerds are pretty nice, but they're also pretty fucking oblivious. Oh, that's for that's that's certain. Uh, for certain. For certain, the guy who played Meat Boy for at least five to six minutes while a line formed behind him of no less than four people. The very talented gamer who died a thousand times at a relatively right. easy level. Um, so turn around every once in a while if you go to a trade show or a convention where games are being played. There might be someone behind you who's eagerly waiting to play. And be nice On the last them. day. And be nice to them and let them play. Right. Because you, you've had your, your share, your fun. Um, I don't do well with platformers in general, and I don't do well with platformers of a surgical variety, like M+. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's interesting, because you wanted to buy M+, you said. But you ended up not buying I, it when you came home. I'm probably, in, I'm probably going to end up buying it, because it's going to get to the point where I need to play something like Super Meat Boy. Sure. And that's by far the most congr- uh, similar thing yeah. out there right now. Um, the one thing about most platformers I can't handle, and it's not that I, like, oh, roll my eyes can't handle. It's like I literally just cannot cope with this this style Yeah. Uh, as a game player, is the sort of slidiness, like the Mario sliding, the hang of, quite... Um, N plus is really like slidey and float and floaty and like, like like you said, half of the maneuvers you do are in the air. Right. For successful navigation of these levels. Yeah, N plus is a big. That's that's a really good point to bring up. N plus, if you played it, is a really big air maneuvering game. And, mm-hmm. and Super Meat Boy is very very much a platformer um, in that you're 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 mostly uh, most of the nuanced control is done on the ground or a wall. Sure. So Super Meat Boy felt to me, like M+, but it also felt to me like Splosion Man, where you have a starting point of, like, a routine and an ending point, and at no point during the routine can you fuck it up, or you fuck up. That's definitely M+. So though. you have to be but like... you're right. Okay, so maybe I don't have enough experience with M+, to really to say if it was that or not, but I guess it is. Yeah. Um, but Very for demanding. some reason, I cottoned to, to Super Meat Boy's physics and the controls faster than probably most games I've ever played. For really? some reason, I played the first. I played the first, the very first level, and there's like no challenge in it at all. It's like you jump up a ledge, right? And be like, here's how you jump in this game. So I did the second level, and it was like a similar experience. And it was like, here's how you dash. So then I was like, I think I have this. So I skipped ahead two levels, and I did that handily. So I skipped ahead three levels, and I did that pretty handily. So I skipped ahead four levels, and that level was kind of challenging. I was like, okay, so maybe I'm just Maybe I've just got enough game experience in me to be able to skip the first 15 levels. Right. Or at least not have them be a challenge. Right. And for some reason, just the whole... The aspect of Super Meat Boy that is like... Uh, it's not as slidey as M+, but it still has that sort of like weird after momentum. Sure, yeah. But he seems to hit his mark pretty hard when yeah. he lands or he hits a wall or whatever. This is true. And I don't know if that is... I really don't know what to say about that. Like, I don't know how to explain that, but maybe just in the way the game is actually built, there's just sort of a, like, like, you just, hit, like, you, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, well, I, I mean, know where got... he's going to end up when I go, when I run and hit A. Okay. And it's like, doosh, 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 and, like, you're hitting these points. Yeah. And you might screw up on one, and you're like, okay, I need to let him slide down the wall a little bit more. A good way to, I guess, maybe to put it is that, you know, he definitely, the character has its own... Um, 
particular control scheme that is different than other platformers, but it's not yeah. it's not like um esoteric enough no. that you can't grasp it. There's something about the way Meat Boy handles. Yeah, it's like at once that familiar. I don't feel like he's out of my control. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Just when he leaves the ground and I'm like I propel him towards something, there's like a weight to how he like there's a speed and a weight to the way he moves where I just I don't question the, I'm like did I not is the jump not working what's going on with this game you right. fuck these mechanics it's like no I fucked up I just need to figure this out like explosion man I guess in a way where you're like oh I got this part but there's a laser that I didn't see but right. I wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't gotten this far so next time I'll deal with the laser right. the next time I'll deal with the next obstacle I don't know it just felt it felt really good and I'm really excited to play that game that game's solid, and it's I think be it'll be really fun. And probably, I hope, probably one of the better games I played this year, to be honest. I didn't get a sense of how many levels there will be in the final game. It looks like it might be laid out like worlds. Three hundred, I think he said. Okay, that's good. But I'm not. I mean, don't quote me, but I'm Some, pretty sure. It's something I didn't talk to you about uh, is that the guy who played before me had obviously played the game a lot at the show, uh-huh. or played it previously somewhere else, or I don't really know where. But he was playing the. I guess there's like a light side, dark side aspect, or like good and evil, or was it light and evil? Hmm. So there's like light, there's the light levels, and there's the evil levels. Did you see this? Oh, it's more like, um, yeah. When you're saying that, it sounds different than it is. Just when you when you're saying it, it kind of sounds that like there's um, visual, two versions like of every level. Change. No, but it makes it sound like there's two versions of every level. And I don't know that there is two versions of every no, level. I think the way he said it was that you know some levels have. Uh, like Mario Galaxy 2 or Mario Galaxy has the the comets that go by and alter the the, the difficulty of the level. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he made it sound like to me. Like certain levels have an extra challenge mode. No, here's here, I saw this. I actually saw specifically someone play a light version and an evil version of the okay. same level, or somebody showed it off. So like, and I unfortunately I can't remember the exact example, but like, um, so there's a material in Super Meat Boy that when you touch it, it will crumble after a second. Yeah. So it's used as like a, it's used as both an obstacle that you have to launch yourself into and then launch yourself off of to clear it out of the way. Sure. And it's also used as what it typically would be as like a temporary safe place to be for a second. Yeah. So like in one level, you have to jump from a platform through two saw blades like perfectly, mm-hmm. or you get cut and you die. Well, in the light version, there's like a there's like a two there's two blocks of that temporary material. In the evil version, there's none. You have to make that jump in one go. You right. don't get like a oh fuck safety net. Right. So like that's I how gotcha. it's like that or. But is there an evil version for every level? Yeah. Like really? it was a button you just hit on the overworld and it just switched over and everything was like red and fiery looking and. That's kind of psychotic. Yeah. So I don't. It might be like 150 levels and there's two Top versions two. of each. Yeah. Interesting. So, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, that game looks. We'll see how much you like it when you're talking about the game in a couple months. <laughs> when I'm on when level, level 100. <laughs> and you can't <laughs> fucking beat. You can't fucking deal with it. Yeah.
Now they can they can justify a fifteen dollar price tag now. Now that everybody by sort of it. corralling it with and calling it some sort of event. Mm hmm Like the games feast. For sure. Fifteen dollar games feast on them. Hey man, three hundred thousand people paid five dollars to play Dead Rising for five minutes. That's not fair. That's pretty harsh on that demo, but no, it's it's kind of what it is. I, I I don't disagree. So they'll justify anything now, if if over a quarter of a million people played paid five bucks. You're right to play a game for five minutes. You're absolutely right. So, uh, but I mean I I think super well, God, fifteen dollars worth of fun. Limbo wasn't fifteen dollars worth of fun. What about uh, Rascals? That was fifteen dollars. That's ridiculous. Well, I'm sure it'll be fifteen dollars, but depending on how much uh, stuff is there, you, you know, you don't really know. So, going into packs, I'd seen Rascals and I'd confused it because of its art style for the next game from the Behemoth, which yeah. we'll talk about later. <laughs> and I was really disappointed with what Rascals looked to be, but I, I got to admit I didn't really understand it. And it's one of those games you can't really understand until you play. No. But what it really is is a sort of a a racing platformer. Um, with power-ups like Mario Kart. So you're basically trying to maneuver your way from the start of a level to the end of a level through all these sorts of obstacles um, against other players while they attack you in various ways. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I did not think it was going to be as good as it was, is the short of it. It was ridiculously addicting in the same way that a Ridge Racer game is, which sounds stupid, but it's still... Evokes that same sort of oh I gotta beat these guys. To yeah. me it did anyway. Yeah. I mean I really wanted to learn how to maneuver around. I kind of wish someone had been there to answer questions about it, but we played it on the last day when people were just kind of slacking. There was someone there. I, well, it's stupid. We never went to the uh, that booth with Rascals. Only. No, we played it at the, the, Microsoft the Xbox booth that was next to like the Kinect thing. Yeah. Um, because as I was at some point between then and now, I thought. Uh, I wonder if the blocks that you clear out of the way are randomly generated I think every they time are. you play. Just from playing the same level like so, ten times. So there isn't there is still a like quote race line that you sure. can have to the level, but you can be hindered by the fact that the shapes may not work in your favor one time through right. from another time. Right. Um I don't know, that seems like I have nothing really bad to say about the game other than it feels like a game that no one will play. Yeah, that is true. I don't and people will write it off for a myriad of reasons. It seems like a game... It was on an Xbox, but it I wrote it off until I played it. I mean... It seems like situation. a game... The, the name's a stupid pun. Raw Skulls. S-K-U-L-L-S. Because they all have, like, skull masks or whatever. And, like, right. goofy little skull characters. Uh... It seems like a game to me that would be put on the on PSN... And then lost. <laughs> that and, is very and true. No one would ever touch it. It does have the and really it's actually weird. Pretty good and competent, and right. it was fun if people would get into it. But it's got sort of the faceless and nameless PSN quality. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Oh, hydrophobia. Hydrophobia. You played. I watched. Hydrophobia is a pretty unnecessary game. Comic Jumper by Twisted Pixel. Yeah. Actually, Speaking of Explosion Man. Yeah. Well, I didn't play it, but no, you the fears that I had about that game and how it would turn out. Apparently, are very true. The same, fears I had. Same. You didn't really talk about this game to me, although you did play it and walk away. You one, I gave you one sentence about the game. What did you say? Well, give me your. 
give me your expectations. Well, I was, I was, I was very afraid because we talked when we talked about it before. It's very obvious that the developers of that game know that the beat 'em up, side-scrolling beat 'em up, is kind of stale, mm-hmm. and so they there's not much depth there. And so what they did in instead of depth is try and keep you interested visually by offering you different animations and different um, results depending on you know where you hit guys. In other sure. words, you hit this guy, he falls into a bank vault. You hit a guy five feet later, he goes out a window. That sort of visual interest is supposed to propel you through the otherwise boring gameplay. Um, I thought that would get old, but I always thought, hey, maybe the shooting parts of the game are where the actual hardcore gameplay is going to be. Maybe that's where the depth will be. But watching the videos that I did of it, it didn't really seem like it was there. So that's what I was always afraid of. I was always afraid that the shooting was just going to be as pointless and, and mind-numbing as the rest of the beat-em-up action in the game. That it was just going to be empty. And, uh... Is it? It's, uh... If I want to be honest with myself and not say that I like that game because I want to like something that Twisted Pixel put out, that game's boring. It's boring. It's just flat-out boring. The, uh... Shooting isn't that fun. The, uh... Solace. Oh boy. <laughs> Solace is another attempt by some indie developers to be cerebral. That's the Digipen yeah. game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. So that game will actually be property of Digipen. Right. Which is a double sort of fuck you to those guys in a weird way. It's like. Hey, we've talked about some good things they've made before. Right. They did Igneous, right? Or graduates from the. Oh god, no, they weren't. Were they Digipens? I'm pretty sure they were, to be honest, because that's That's bad of me not to remember. But that game fell off the planet. I don't think they ever did anything more with it. Um, But uh, yeah, Solace is a vertical shmup on a white screen, nonetheless, and uh, it's it's available (laughs) for free if you want to. Oh god, I didn't even think about that. It's it's available for free if you want to uh, check it out, as far as I know. But uh, it's it's. I mean, I mean, the, the quickest way to explain it is imagine if. Well, it, it's to shmups what Limbo is to platformers. You know, like a visually kind of interesting, but stark... I don't even think it was that interesting. Yeah, I guess it's not. But I mean, its I don't think it's an inappropriate analogy when you look at the game. Um, no. You're, you're, it's a vertical shmup where the uh, gameplay isn't very fun. So they took one of the genres that is basically just about gameplay. You know, the genre that has been distilled down to pretty much just gameplay. Yeah. And they took the gameplay away from it and tried to make it interesting by adding text and clever ideas. And I don't think the game isn't unclever. <laughs> For example, uh, one of the levels is depression. And as such, your bullets come out of your ship but sort of just flail about. They don't do any damage. Um that level also moves very slow and you're basically left with no offensive action you're just dodging other people's bullets and it's it's it i guess it could sort of evoke a a depressing attitude or emotion i i I don't know um i was depressed when i just saw the game i didn't really (laughs) need to see like the depressed level to get depressed it was just sad watching bullets move that slow and seeing people Approach it as if it's a shmup or as if it contained any challenge. Just so boring. He, they sort of suggested when they were first explaining it to us that it had sort of a sound progression 
that there were layers of music that would be added as you progressed through the game. You know, he answered your question almost in a way of you asked it and he thought it was a good idea, so now he's decided to put it in the game. Yeah, actually, I, I, like, I asked yeah, him the question. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have that. By then? <laughs> yeah. Um, in the next release? But, uh, no, remember I asked him, I said, yeah, well, does it have a sort of uh, visual musical progression like Res? I've never played Res. And he was like, I never played Res. <laughs> And then, you know, immediately another producer or director, whoever he is... I played Rez. ...turned around and was like, no, 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 we played Rez. Yeah, that's... And I was that like, That was uh, really kind of weird. Well, that's kind of bizarre. I don't... I'm not saying you need to play Rez to know how to make a vertical schmuck. But it's obvious somebody knows that that game's probably pretty important to the pedigree... Or not pedigree. To the existence of this game. Right, yeah. Like, like they, they knew it would be a question that would come up. Exactly. So someone had to find a working Xbox... And 800 Microsoft points before packs to make sure that they had played Res. And to be honest, if you're making a game that is visually and orally, uh, I don't know, changing, mm -hmm. um, you're probably going to want to know the pedigree of games coming before you, which made it kind of frightening to me, yeah. where for me when the guy said that he didn't hurt hear of it. So it's great, Kasavin's game, formerly of Specine, Specine, Spec Ops: The Line. From THQ. Might as well be spec line. Who even cares at this point? Uh, generic shooter where you kill Arabs. Number three. Spec apocalypse. Uh, no. Yeah. Could be anything that terrible. Get it? So who knows what's going on with that game anymore? Get uh, it? I barely cared when Kasavin was on the project. Now that he's off, the last thing that would make me care about that game has literally left the project. <laughs> so right. he's now working on a game called Bastion with. Uh, which is a company, I guess, formed out of a lot of XEA people, from what I understand. He uh, he demoed it rather extensively on the big live drunk fat show, Live Live, yesterday. Oh. Um, which was actually interesting because he demoed it for a while and I saw more of the demo that I didn't get to see and he was talking about, being pretty candid about how the team came together and where everybody came from. Um the game looks pretty good. That game was really fun to play. It reminded me a lot of fit, like an isometric fable. Yeah. And you were saying that Greg had told you that a lot of their inspiration had come from Link to the Past. Yeah. And I guess Diablo in a way. I don't remember sure. what else he said. But he said, I guess he said, he made the remark that Link to the Past was a big influence on the game. Yeah, and I guess a lot of the focus also is on the combat. Which, you know, you walked away from it explaining that, yeah, the combat feels like it's a combat-oriented combat game. Which, I know, when you look at the game, it looks like a mix between A Link to the Past and Equinox on the Super Nintendo. Did you ever play that game? Equinox. Well, it's a terrible game. God, I probably, maybe at some point. It sounds real familiar. Terrible controls. <laughs> and, you know, it's a 3D it's a, um, perspective, or 3-4 perspective. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Bastion, that's why I say that. But um, so so coming from those two games, you automatically assume it's got a like a simplistic attack, yeah, or battle system, yeah. Um, but I guess it doesn't. I guess it's really flowy. Like I don't know. Would you? It you, wasn't you, particularly. You, it wasn't particularly combo oriented, in, in the sense of like, uh, like you can hit, you know, a combination of X and Y or whatever. And, sure. But the way it felt was a lot like Fable, and I actually had to... I, I wrote this down in a post on Gaff, so I was forced to put into words exactly why it made me think of Fable. And the reasoning is this, is that in Fable, there's a serious... Even if you're using light weapons or heavy weapons, there's a, there's a weight behind your actions in Fable when you fight. Mm -hmm. Your character doesn't stand 
stationary and just swing their arms about. They are like carried forward, oh, okay. as is the natural momentum of what you're doing. So like if you just sort of attack in Fable and don't touch the directional stick, you're still moving, moving through the game the world because your character's lunging forward and stabbing at enemies. Which is kind of like Arkham and Viking. It's kind of like Arkham, but it's not like a homing. It's more just like sure. the natural momentum of doing this motion will make you move forward. And Bastion felt like that in, in spades. Which is like, he had his big hammer and he'd swing down and he moved forward. And if you kind of hit your button presses in a timed fashion, you would kind of do that like... You know, swing, 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 and you're moving forward, and you're hitting enemies, and you hit. Right. You just snap the stick up because an enemy is now behind you, and you swing, 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 and switching between melee and and ranged was just like ranged melee, ranged melee, and he would switch between weapons really fast, just like kind of like way Fable felt, where you'd melee shoot, melee shoot a guy off in the distance, and melee again. It just had that sort of like fluidity and momentum that Fable had, and that's what really came through to it's me. It's just weird that when you walked away from the game. The, the first thing you said was that's like Fable man and I looked back to see what the people who were around yeah who were demoing the game I wanted to see the expression on their face yeah and they all looked like kind of disgusted because I don't think they understood so if they listen to this that's good because at the time I think they took it totally different because I understood what you are saying because I know you right. I was like oh okay I see what he's saying but I think you, them not you, knowing you you know that you know that I know what you liked about Fable. So for it's me the to tell thing. you that this game is good, I'd be right. like, it's like Fable. Right. If you were saying, oh, it's like Fable, I would be like, oh, it's got terrible humor. But if you said, oh, it's like Fable, yeah. I know you're saying it's got great combat. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's interesting. But they, they looked I, I kind of mulled over that the whole weekend. I was like, I wonder how they took that. No, they looked like, they kind of looked at each other like, oh. See, I went back and talked to him the next day, and I, I kind of made sure to say, man, this game looks really good. I played it yesterday, and it looks it's great. I can't wait to play it. Because yeah. I wanted him to at least be sure. Sure, yeah. It's like, clear the air. He didn't remember me, I don't think. But right. I wanted him to know that I thought it was, a good, it was going to be a good game. That game um, looks to be really good. I'm going to talk about what I saw on Giant Bomb, because I feel like I, having played it and just not experienced that part, I can still talk about it a little bit. And sure. you didn't see it, and I know you'll find it interesting, and I know you won't go back and watch it on Giant Bomb. That's right. Uh, <laughs> You're right about all those things. So I guess a lot of what they're trying to do in that game is, um, and he may have told you when you talked to him, but I guess what they're trying to do with that game is um, you'll be able to, in at least some small way, shape the world around you or mm -hmm. influence how the world builds because in the narrative of the game, you have that ability. Mm -hmm. And it actually visually happens on screen as you're running. The world is sort of just building itself mm -hmm. in front of you as you're running. And uh, I figured out what that game looked like other than Braid. It looks like Final Fantasy Tactics, like an uh, HD sure. Tactics. It just has that look to it. And they went in a little more about, like, you'll unlock new... You'll unlock upgrades for your weapons. And when you go into, like, your hub world, which is the Bastion, which is the titular Bastion of the game, you'll have places in the Bastion where you can build, like, an armory or build uh, a distillery. Mm -hmm. Like in the game, the, the power-ups in the game come in the form of liquor that you drink and give you sort of like different status effects. Or build... Uh, there's another shop separate for your upgrades, and there's a shop specifically for buying weapons and a shop for upgrading the weapons. Mm -hmm. And like you can build those with the currency, which were those little blue fragment things that you saw me collecting. And he was saying that for every weapon, there there are abilities you can unlock for that weapon, or you can just power it up and make it more powerful. 
and you can kind of choose. I guess you can. I don't know if you can do both or if you have to kind of pick one one direction or the other. Right. But I think the depth of that game will be further. Is is a lot m- further than that demo even suggested. Mm. And uh, Greg Kasavin made the remark that um, the tutorial level in the demo is a lot more linear than the final game will be, mm-hmm. which clues me in that the game will be probably kind of open-ended. And you, you're supposed to like revisit worlds and like kind of grind them out and mm-hmm. open up new areas with new abilities that you grind up to. And that's, I don't know, I'm psyched for that. I'd really, I'd really like to see it done. Because it sounds like a really... I don't know, an in-depth undertaking. It sounds like a game... Uh, he, now, they didn't say whether it was going to be a boxed game or a download game, but for some reason I feel like it'll be a download game. And maybe that's just could, the art style. It could be like a $20 download game. It feels like it'll be like... the idea that Shadow Complex started of like... Bridging. Hey, some of these games are actually like games. Yeah. Like real games. Like like if they released a new Zelda. Right. For example, you could probably... I mean, people were saying, I would totally have bought Shadow Complex as a disc for right. $60. That game's not worth $60. There were people saying but that. But people were saying that. Sure, yeah. And I feel like Bastion could be like the first game where people will say, this is a downloadable game and it's worth $40. It's a $40 experience. $40? $30, $20, something. But like a higher price than is standard. I'm not disagreeing and I'm not trying to put value on a game that I've never But as never soon played. as that happens, prices go up. I just, <laughs> you know. $30 I could do. Right. But I, what I'm... I know what you're saying. Yeah, what I'm getting at is it feels like that could be... But I'm more stuck a on landmark, the actual... A, yeah, a landmark in saying... You know, some of these games that don't come on discs are really actual full-fledged And that speaks a lot to the game and the production values of it. Thank you for listening to Podcast So, there were lines for games, and that was disappointing because the Microsoft booth was fucking teeming with people <laughs> all three days. Yeah. And neither one of us got to play Gears of War 3. Well, we didn't even see it. Until the last day. It wasn't in the Microsoft booth. What was it in? What was that booth? It wasn't even a booth. Microsoft just like... That's why I don't think it was there. The fr- it might have been. But I didn't... Maybe that's why we didn't take notice of it. It was by the Sony booth. It was like I know dropped that, in I know next that to the Fable thing. I know Fable was there because I remember looking at that guy. At the Fable guy when we walked in the first day. Well, it was kind of gorilla regardless but, because it was right next to the Sony booth. Well, it was also, well, it was that and everything was like three feet off... The, or not three feet. It was like a foot off the ground. Sure, yeah. Your eye line... You looked right past... We probably looked right over it literally every time. We probably did. Uh... So Fable 3 was there. I watched it for... I watched it long enough to continue feeling comfortable about that game's relative quality. Great. Looks good. I'm still excited about it. There it is. 
there was nothing new about it revealed there. Uh, you seemed pretty intrigued to look at Gears 3. I couldn't care less about that game at this point. Kind of uh, but I know I, I, you're, you're turning a corner on that game, I can tell. Especially since the last round of screenshots like from E3 looked like a totally different game. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of those things where you just, it's its just like Halo, where, you know, by the time the next one's released, it's just enough time. They know. They yeah. know. Trust me. There's some formula sure. out there where they know exactly how much time it takes for you oh, to totally... Uh, hey, man, we the, had the episode about hidden metrics. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I do not doubt that they don't look at the popularity of Google searches, of the popularity of the game on, actually, right. Xbox Live, purchase rates, da-da-da-da-da, trade-ins... And, and there's probably some sort of data that can be extracted out of that and go, this is when interest for Gears will be at an all-time low to announce the game. Right. Or swinging into a low. This must be the all-time high because only the all-time high could possibly pique my interest this much. And it's not very much. Right. It's very slightly. But, but I mean, like, then, they'll, then they forecast it out, like, April 2011 is when the hype for the game is approaching the cliff of when people will stop caring and right. release it right at the edge of that cliff. Yeah, September right 2010 is yeah. the point at which I could possibly forget what an awful slog Gears of War 2 was. Unrelated note, we've been doing this podcast for a year. There it is. I, you reminded me. So there's Three. That. Yeah. Looks like two yeah. put together, which is great. No pun intended. Because I really dug. Oh, no, I, 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 I know what you're saying. I, know exactly I really what you're dug saying. number one's graphics. Yeah. Um, they were pretty. Mm-hmm. Number two, not so much. But the gameplay in the multiplayer was there. Yeah. From what little I've seen of three in motion, looks like it's taken the uh, graphics of the first one, dropped them into an even crazier multiplayer. So it looks interesting to me. And there's actually like the lighting in it looks a lot more. The lighting looks. The lighting is the to me. I mean, if 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 you, if you talk refined. about refined, Gears of War two had what Gears of War two was lacking was really good lighting. Yeah, you're because right. it, yeah. there just it almost seemed like it was absent, and so the screen just seemed washed out and muddy. The well, there was there were. were it, so. What I remember of Gears of War two is like when we were playing Quantum Theory. Oh. Which we could spend an entire podcast on, probably not really. Not a good uh, podcast. But there would be there were points in Gears Two where the floor texture blended into the wall texture, blended into the ceiling texture, yeah. blended into the pillar texture, in between the floor and the ceiling, in between you and the end of the room, and it was like there's like no contrast between anything. Right. I remember that about Gears Two. Just like it was, it was kind of a money. H.R. Geiger slaggy texture over top slaggy texture into slaggy texture. But this one looks okay. That's, this one looks a lot more defined. That's really all I know. I mean, the only thing that they could do to make me more interested in it is work more achievements into the horde mode so that I would have right. more reason to play the horde mode. Right. And, um, yeah, that's it. To be honest, I'm way more excited about the horde. Wow, God, boy, I don't know. See, I really like the horde mode in Gears of War 2. I played it well beyond the amount of... The, the one time it took to get the achievement. I would for have, all. but... For, but I did it in one sitting. And that was it. And I was like, man, I don't want to totally touch this mode for a while. Yeah. And by the time it would have by the time that cooldown on that yeah. expired, I was well onto something else. Yeah. Or probably not even playing games at that point. I don't know what I'm more excited for, to be totally honest with you, Firefighter Horde and Reacher Three. I don't know.
Did I ever tell you about those guys that I met one night playing Horde Mode? Hmm. Okay, so one night, familiar. one night my friend and I are playing Horde Mode and we're trying to do the achievement. Yeah. And uh, we stumble onto a server because there wasn't matchmaking. It was decent, if I remember correctly. We stumble onto a server and um, there were three guys in there. Um, they were all wearing the same thing. <laughs> and they refused to communicate with us. And this was within the first week of the game coming out, okay? Yeah. So I understand that maybe these guys have been around in clan form since Gears 1. Sure. That's possible, but whatever. These three guys were... Uh, they had a rank between them. One was a commanding officer, and the other two were his support. You did tell me about this, but keep telling the story because it's interesting and I don't remember all of it. And... They refused to talk to us, like I said. They wouldn't communicate with us. Mm-hmm. And basically they were just moving around the level. And, and <laughs> Horde mode starts off slow, so you don't really need to be paying attention to what's going on. Right. If you're competent at the game, you can kill the guys and still have some free time to fuck around. Right. So as the game started off, um, we were all kind of working in tandem and killing the guys. And I started paying attention to what these guys were doing in the downtime between the rounds. And the commanding officer would... This behavior might now. This behavior might exist, and I'm just totally unaware of it. Like a dad, unaware of what's going on in his kid's room. You know what I mean? Like right. I might not know. Right. But um, the commanding officer was basically tagging walls in the environment with his gun, mm-hmm. and assigning them to his support troops to go to for no reason other than to go to them. Right. Um, now his support troops, his two soldiers that were with him, one was like red and the other was called green, whatever. And so he would go, green, shoot at a wall, and then green would say, yes sir, <laughs> and walk to that wall. <laughs> and they would do this between every round, and they refused to communicate with us, like we were talking to them, and, yeah. and they just would not acknowledge us. Sure. And 20 some waves in. They finally started talking to us because we started antagonizing them by referring to ourselves as color. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that's just a really weird anecdote. Do you have any idea like what they could have possibly been doing? I mean, is that some sort of no. training? for? I don't know. If it's I've... training, I don't know what Gears gameplay. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not familiar at all with what clans do and as far as practice other than just play the game. Just a weird, really militaristic getting off. I mean, it really wasn't. It's I, it, weird. It, it, it just is seemed, weird. It, it's all it seemed like. It, but I mean, there are so many other options, military game-wise, to to kind of yeah. get off on. It's just weird that these guys who, if Pick that's that. why they're doing it, went to gears. Went to gears, and what's even funnier is like, were doing that before you entered, right? And had you just left middle of the game, they would I mean, have they just continued doing, doing it the entire time in their own little universe. Those guys are strange. That is really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Green. Red. <laughs> yes, sir. That's really funny. That is really... <laughs> that's like when you go... That's like when I loaded up Quake two weeks ago and found a server that was full of nothing but bots playing each other. <laughs> and it took me like five minutes to figure it out. Welcome to the future. Because <laughs> they all had names. But after a while, I was like, no one's talking. Right. (laughs) And, like, I just stood still. And if I didn't attack the opposing team, they would ignore me. And just go right for the other bots. This all is probably a server running. That was weird. It was weird. I didn't know what I... I, Like, I don't want to say I was scared, 
But something in my psyche was like, this is this is wrong. Something is weird about this. Why no, it's is familiar this... because it's probably somewhat similar to the situation that all humans are in. Maybe. But it <laughs> just it sort of sort I sort of, of became distinctly aware of like if you envision this is getting off on a huge tangent, but it was so weird. If you envision every game as like a building in a city. And every session of that game that's being played is a room in that building. And it's like, I found the room in the basement of that building. Right. Sure. <laughs> Where there are nothing but automated puppets yeah. inside the room. On the edge of town. Carrying, yeah. Car yeah. yeah, on the edge of town, no less, because it's Quake. <laughs> carrying out, like, like subroutines of facsimile behavior. Yeah. And it's like, my brain became aware of that sort of organization of where the hell I was in the vast internet space of gaming and for a little bit I was like this is I'm like I'm weirdly uncomfortable like what the fuck's going on from another here? perspective it's a lot like 11.11 sure it's like whittled down to the very edge of some reality or of, of reality this is happening yeah you know, like on the yeah. very edge of reality, this is how far humans. Right have now, gone. they're on. They're doing it right now while sure. we're talking. There's a server with those five or six men fighting a game that has no end. It represents a very deep level of reality. You know what I mean? Just a yes. very convoluted, deep, abysmal, abyssal. Yeah. Level. That's of reality. exactly the sensation. It's like. It's like you step. Yeah, I, you're right. It's like <sighs> stepping into a very eerie basement where weird things have gone up. <laughs> right, I can totally, I totally agree. I so, if you want that experience, start start up a Quake game or Quake Two even, because Quake Two is even less populated than Quake. Or no, I'm sorry, no, it is Quake Two is as, as or if not less populated than Quake. Great. Quake Three is the game to. that people are still actually kind of playing. I would love to play Quake Two. Uh, Rail only. So I, I can't really tie that into anything other than some first-person shooters. Quick, do a transition. Uh. <laughs>